It's Wednesday, October the 28th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by Raytheon Technologies. Coming up, Americans vote early and AMD buys Xilinx. First, the world in brief. As President Donald Trump hit the election trail in America's Midwestern swing states, figures suggested that nearly 70 million Americans have already voted, around half the total number who cast ballots in 2016. Flagging in the opinion polls, Mr Trump called the counting of so many early votes inappropriate. The latest coronavirus statistics only strengthened his headwinds. Around 500,000 Americans tested positive this week, the most ever. Joe Biden, campaigning in Georgia, called the president's approach to the epidemic a capitulation. Two wildfires in Southern California forced the evacuation of nearly 100,000 people. The state's fire agency reported that by Tuesday morning, one fire had consumed 12,000 acres and the other 8,000. This year, California has suffered its worst wildfires in 18 years. They have killed more than 30 people and forced thousands to abandon their homes. Tens of thousands of protesters marched in Bangladesh, calling for a boycott of French goods and burning an effigy of Emmanuel Macron. France's president has been criticised for defending offensive cartoons of the Prophet Mohammed after a teacher was decapitated in Paris for showing them to pupils. Turkey's president and various Arab groups have called for a similar boycott. The United Nations said that malnutrition among children in war-torn Yemen has hit record highs because of COVID-19, floods and intensifying conflict. Childhood cases of life-threatening malnutrition have risen by 15.5% in 2020 to 98,000. Since 2014, a Saudi-led coalition of Sunni states has battled the Houthis, a Shia rebel group. Some 80% of Yemenis rely on aid. America and India signed an agreement to share satellite data useful in the precision targeting of weapons systems. The deal, signed by the defence and foreign secretaries of both countries, is designed to strengthen their military ties in the face of a common adversary, China. The Asian giants have been engaged in violent standoff along their disputed border since May. Advanced Micro Devices agreed to buy Xilinx, rival Californian chipmaker, in a deal worth $35 billion. The acquisition is the latest in a wave of mergers this year between chipmakers. The combined company will have 13,000 engineers and may spend more than $2.7 billion annually on research and development. And BP unexpectedly revealed a small profit in the three months to the end of September, after a thumping loss of $6.7 billion in the previous quarter. But weak demand for fuel owing to the pandemic has remained a problem. The British energy giant's shares are down by more than half this year and sit at their lowest for nearly 25 years. And now here's today's agenda. Not as cheap as chips. AMD buys Xilinx. Advanced Micro Devices announced plans yesterday to buy Xilinx, a rival whose specialised chips can be configured to accelerate specific tasks. The deal, worth $35 billion, is the latest in a blockbuster year for semiconductor mergers helped by tech firms' high-flying share prices. Beyond the general tech boom, AMD has been enjoying a purple patch. For years, it struggled to compete with Intel, the world's largest chipmaker. But Intel has stumbled, while AMD's most recent chips have been well-received, enabling it to take a bigger piece of the laptop, desktop and data centre markets. Revenue is up by 56% year-on-year and profits by 58%. AMD hopes the merger will boost its business in two ways. 
Xilinx has exposure to industries in which AMD has little presence, such as aerospace and in-car electronics. And its portfolio of specialised data centre chips may lift AMD's small but growing market share in one of the semiconductor industry's most lucrative corners. Retweeting Tech bosses revisit Capitol Hill Big tech bosses go to Washington again today, albeit only virtually. Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, Jack Dorsey of Twitter and Sundar Puchai of Alphabet, Google's parent, will appear before the Senate's Commerce Committee. They face a grilling about how they moderate user-generated content on their platforms and whether Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act shields them from liability for such content. Expect Democrats on the committee to demand that firms do more against disinformation and hate speech. Meanwhile, Republicans, without much evidence, will call them out for censoring conservative views. Coming a few days before presidential and congressional elections, the hearing is unlikely to do more than add yet more noise to the campaign. But once it is over and the next administration is in place, Section 230 is likely to change. Social media firms will probably have to police their platforms more extensively if they want to avoid liability. Selling the family silver. Museum finances. Paintings by Henri Matisse, Joanne Miro and Claude Monet, which once hung on the walls of the Brooklyn Museum, will be auctioned this evening by Sotheby's in New York. The proceeds will contribute to the creation of a $40 million endowment to pay for staffing costs and the care and conservation of the institution's remaining collection. Museums, which often rely on ticket sales for income, have been dealt a heavy financial blow by the pandemic. In May, a report by the Network of European Museum Organisations found that major museums were losing between €100,000 and €600,000, $118,000 to $710,000 in revenue per week. A study by UNESCO of 95,000 museums around the world found that a tenth were unlikely to reopen. The Brooklyn Museum may have given others ideas. This month, the Baltimore Museum of Art announced that it would sell three paintings from its permanent collection to raise $65 million. Inflated expectations Turkey's economic crisis Turkey's central bank will publish its third quarter inflation report today amid a currency crisis and a surge in consumer prices. In its previous report, the bank projected that inflation would reach 8.9% by the end of the year. That now looks wildly unrealistic. It stood at 11.8% in September. Since then, a plummeting lira, in 2020 the currency has lost 27% of its dollar value, has put yet more upward pressure on prices. Concern is also mounting that the government of President Recep Tayyip Erdogan has been fudging the numbers. According to a recent calculation by the Inflation Research Group composed of Turkish academics, in September inflation may have been more than three times the official rate. But given that the government has already been caught undercounting numbers of COVID-19 infections, it would be hardly surprising if it were cooking the books elsewhere too. The Unstoppable Bulldozer Tanzania's Election Tanzanians vote today in what President John Magafuli has promised will be a fair and free election. But Mr Magafuli, nicknamed the Bulldozer, is not known for truthfulness. His main opponent, Tondo Liso, recently returned from self-imposed exile in Belgium. He fled there in 2017 after unidentified gunmen shot him 16 times. 
In a fair contest, Mr. Lisu, who promises to boost business and unshackle the media, would stand a good chance. But the Electoral Commission is stacked with Mr. Magafuli's loyalists. This month, they suspended Mr. Lisu's campaign for a week, accusing him of making seditious statements. Politics have been especially dirty on the semi-autonomous islands of Zanzibar. On Sunday, Nasur Ahmed Mazuri, deputy leader of the opposition ACT Wazalendo party, was abducted for five hours by unknown assailants. Yesterday, Malim Sif Sarif, its candidate for Zanzibar's regional presidency, was arrested while trying to vote. Islanders are bracing themselves for more violence. The bulldozer ploughs on. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jigoro Kano, who was born on December 10th, 1860. There are people who are excitable by nature and allow themselves to become angry for the most trivial of reasons. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.